Our second reading is Paul's first letter to Timothy. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to the Lord Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming here to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman? having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. So the words that St. Paul says to his protege Timothy, and we heard in our second reading, I am grateful to the Lord Christ Jesus, who has strengthened it's very, um, it's very interesting to hear those words of repentance. That Paul once was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence, but now he is grateful. It strikes me about this is not that about Paul's former deeds, but it is Christ's mercy in spite of it. Today, as the world remembers uh, Queen Elizabeth II, I'm reminded of how regularly and easily she spoke of her Christian faith. 
She referred to Jesus as the king whom she served. And at the last day of the conference, the gathering of all the bishops of the Anglican Communion, in her address to the bishop, she said, The message and teachings of Christ have been my guide throughout life, and in them I find hope. It is my heartfelt prayer that you will continue to be sustained by your faith in times of trial and encouraged by hope at times of despair. It is our faith that indeed sustains us in good times and bad. Not only, of course, is the world remembering Queen Elizabeth, but today is the 21st anniversary of one of our own country's darkest days. And it is in leaning in Christ in all times, with the support of our fellow Christians, that gives us strength to keep going. It's interesting to think about strength, where we drive strength from. Because it is easy to imagine it comes from us. It's easy to imagine, in some ways, that God loves us because we are good. You know, somehow we earn God's favor. This false message permeates our cultural understanding of faith. It makes us think maybe if we pray hard enough, we might get what we want, to sort of my will be done. Or, the inverse of that is, someone falls on hard times, perhaps God's favor has left that person. The problem with this line of thinking is it puts everything in reverse order. Because the reality is that God does not love us because we are good. It is, in fact, that we are good because God loves us. In fact, the amazing part about God is that God always seems to be reaching out to humanity in our worst state. Here, the Exodus reading where uh, Moses has gone up on the mountain, he comes down and he sees that the people have built a golden calf. And yet this is a sign of God's grace and mercy at the end. It is only, it is only our calling for repentance that we receive grace and mercy. And we receive grace and mercy after. Oh, we are called repentance only after receiving grace and mercy. The Gospel gives us two parables of things that are lost and found. Now, I'm telling you, the older I get, the more these parables speak to me about losing things. <laughs> I still don't know where my spare pair of glasses are, so maybe that's what I need to, you know, rejoice when I find. But we have two parables. The first is the parable of the lost sheep. Which of you, Jesus asks, when losing one sheep would not leave behind the ninety-nine and go after the one, and when you find it, you return, and you call your friends together, and you say, rejoice with me. The second, what woman, when she has ten coins, but loses one, doesn't search her entire house, light a lamp, sweep up everything. When she finds a coin, she calls her friends together and says, rejoice with me. Both of these parables are about a desperate search 
something lost. And both of these parables have a few commonalities. First of all, what's interesting is what sets up the parable. It's Jesus having that accusation of being, of associating with the wrong kind of people. You know, those people, sinners. Well, this is really fascinating because on a level, these parables are really about about passing judgment of others. It's a reminder that God loves people despite what others in society might think of them. What we might think even about their lifestyle, professions, associations, or identities. But God still loves them. God, in fact, when God was in human form, associated with those who were marginalized. And it's interesting thinking about the marginalized because in the parables, both of the main figures were in fact marginalized people themselves. This is very typical of Luke's gospel. Jesus puts himself in the place of the lowly. The shepherd. Now, we tend to think, okay, shepherds, sure, you know. Uh, the shepherd showed up when Jesus was born. Uh, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. So, in our mindset, we probably kind of don't think much about shepherds, but they weren't exactly a high society. These were daylight laborers. They were out in the fields all the time. They were dirty. They were with animals. They probably smelled bad. <clears throat> and they weren't in high esteem in any way. And in the second girl, we have a woman, which is, of course, in the Hellenistic world, there was no sense of equality. Uh, I mean, even today we struggle with equality, but in the Hellenistic world, there was really no sense of equality. And women were second-class citizens. And so it's interesting, Jesus puts himself in the place of these two figures, rather than, say, the place of a king or a high authority, but somebody a little bit in lesser esteem. So that's one commonality. Another commonality was that the rejoicing was communal. They called their friends together and said, Rejoice with me. Each one was a figure who found out what was lost and they did not celebrate it alone. And I think this is an invitation to the scribes and the Pharisees directly to welcome the sinners with them. I think Jesus is saying to the scribes and the Pharisees, gather around, friends, rejoice with me for these people who have been lost. <clears throat> and to call for them to repent of their own judgment and rejoice, to see their own laws and embrace the sinner and the tax collector. But it goes a little deeper, because it's also an invitation to us, the listener, not just to cease from judgment, but to celebrate our own forgiveness as a Christian community. Because despite what our popular culture tells us, organized religion actually is important. It's an important expression of spirituality. That doesn't mean 
our institutions don't have things to repent from sometimes. Of course it's true. But it does mean that we are called to be Christians not as isolated individuals, not as, oh, I can find God in the sunrise or on the beach. But it's the gospel calling us as a body of Christ knit together. Rejoice with me, friends. And so the lessons of these parables are that first, God's grace and mercy is extended to us, no matter what. Our repentance is a response to God's action, and not the other way around. We are loved and forgiven, and we are only asked, like St. Paul, to have gratitude in return. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> the second lesson of these parables is that we are called to extend such grace and mercy to others, recognizing that God has forgiven them and us the same. Thirdly, the lesson is that we are called to celebrate this as a body, to come together with other sinners and rejoice in all of our forgiveness. Literally, we come to the table for communion or the forgiveness of sins. We do this as a community together. It's the central act of our faith to be grateful as a Christian community for all that God has done for us. And this, friends, is what it means to be a Christian, to be forgiven to forgive, and to rejoice together. Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you're interested in worshiping with us, you can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit stjohnthedivine.org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.